Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is Tim Tebow's book, Bronco and Friends, A Party to Remember, a new book from the New York Times bestselling author and football star. In a world that often expects everyone to look and act the same, standing out can make us feel less than. But as Bronco and his friends learn, bringing your own particular gifts to the party makes it more fun for everyone. This sweet story and adventure to remember reminds children and their favorite adults that every one of us is special, wonderfully made, and essential to God's big party. Find out more at timtebow.com slash Bronco and Friends. Felicia Luna Lemons is the author of novels Trace Elements of Random Tea Parties and Like Sun. Her writing has been featured in numerous collections and has appeared in many publications, and she is currently the visiting writer at Pitzer College. Particulate Matter is Felicia's new memoir, set against the wildfires that plagued California in 2020. This climate disaster served as a menacing backdrop as she chronicled her difficult year through a collection of still lifes, landscapes, and portraits in prose. The novel has been praised, well, I should say in poetry. Well, you'll see. The novel has been praised by Booklist, NPR, Poets and Writers, and Good Morning America, where I had it on my list of books I was really excited about. Enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Felicia. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, I'm thrilled to be here (laughs) and get to talk with you. Thank you. Oh, you too. Okay. Particulate matter. Do you call it a poem? How do you describe it? Because it's beautiful and made me feel so accomplished because like on this page, all it says is, don't they have an app for that? And I read an entire page. (laughs) So I feel like this is the perfect book for people who don't have time because each page just has about one sentence, which is, which is great. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm glad that it's handy in that way. That's, that's wonderful to hear. (laughs) Yes. Very handy. Not your intention, but but a side benefit. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's. I think you know, it's creative nonfiction. I don't refer to it as a poem or memoir, but I think that it is a bit of both of those things. For me, it's it's just the best way that I was able to try to create a portrait of this particular moment in my life and. This was the form that it, it took. And in part, the funny thing that you say, you know, for folks who don't feel like they have a lot of time to read, I felt like I didn't have a lot of uh, bandwidth and energy and headspace at that particular moment to write. So I think it, part of it was, you know, things came out in a very concise form and then I edited it even more to get it even more exact in the ways that I wanted it to be. So it could be there's something there's something to that. I could hear that. <laughs> <laughs> So for listeners who don't know, why don't you tell us about the story that is encapsulated in the, in this work of creative nonfiction? Like what is it you needed to work through? Tell us like that time and place and the emotion, which obviously comes across on the page like immediately, but for those who haven't read it yet. Well, thank you. This is a piece that I wrote when my spouse was very ill. There was a point where she developed it. She'd been a lifelong athlete her entire life and just an avid hiker, you know, played all kinds of competitive sports through school, always incredibly healthy. And out of nowhere, she developed adult onset asthma. 
She went away for a business trip at one point to Seattle. We live in Los Angeles. So she went away to Seattle where the air is wonderful and, you know, no air pollution or anything. So she was feeling much better with her asthma, came back home and literally could not breathe. And was just this emergency situation where the doctor said, it's truly a matter of life and death. You need to get to cleaner air immediately. So we lived in a very polluted part of Los Angeles. It was the air pollution that was making her sick. And it was an incredibly devastating moment for us to... All of a sudden, I mean, it's the, it's. I can't think of many things that are to lose a loved one and to to feel the the fear of at any moment this person who I had a fairy tale wonderful happy life with all of a sudden might be taken away for no fault of her own. So if I wrote this in in that year that we were experiencing. We had to live apart for a while. It was just a really hard time. It was a very hard time and. At the same time, I think it was one of those moments where I realized that these everyday details that are so, sometimes you're just rushing around, rushing around in life that I don't notice the, I don't, I before did not stop to notice the beautiful things in the everyday. And all of a sudden I was profoundly aware of them and grateful for them. Just any little thing that could get me through to the next day and to try to get us through this thing that we're going through. So, and thankfully the air helped. So that's, you know, been a wonderful a wonderful change in our lives. But yeah, this is the book that came out of that. It just It's a love letter to her. You know, it's these were the things that I noticed when we had to be apart and I was just facing the possibility of losing her. And it was a horrible, horrible thing to think about. Did you, what did she say when she read it? I think, you know, it's, it's hard for both of us, honestly. I mean, it kind of, it takes us back to a particular moment that we are so grateful to be past at this point. But she knows how much I love her. I mean, this is, this is, she's my one. And, and I think that, you know, I think, I think it's hard to read about a difficult moment in our life, but at the same time, it's a love letter. She knows it. <laughs> she knows it's, it's filled with love and it's, and it's just how profoundly I adore her that, you know, it's the whole thing of when you love someone so much, when it's, when something happens, it's really devastating. I mean, it really shook the earth up. From under, you know, I, I felt the earth shake when this was a possibility. So, yeah. It's also so timely because of everyone's sort of a collective un- inability to breathe right now with the pandemic emotionally, but also physically. I mean, this is the main effect that people have. So, you know, when the COVID attacks your lungs and you can't breathe, and it's like, everyone is sort of going through their own version of this hell at the moment. You know what I mean? So this and the fires even in the book, right? And then there were more fires. I feel like it's like, it's your own experience, but you're closely tracking collectively, certainly what everyone in Los Angeles is going through and around the world, really. I mean, it's like a moment in time that maybe, I don't know if you, I'm sure you couldn't have possibly intended it to mirror our reality, but it just goes to show how much your individual experience can really just reflect a greater collective. I don't know. That sounded like a total ramble. I hope you know what I'm talking about. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. It's, it's, I mean, I think it's just one of those things that, you know, we, it was a profoundly vulnerable making human experience and when whatever form that comes into our lives, we all experience it one way or other. And I I don't wish that experience on anyone. And the pandemic that we've been going through, just the ways that it's so profoundly impacted people's lives and rippled out all across the globe. It's, it's, it's really, it's horrifying. It's really awful. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like 
I don't know. I'm just, I'm hopeful that there's something in what I wrote that can give some comfort to someone who maybe has gone through something similar. There's so much beauty in the world. And also, you know, we all, we all have pain and we all love and we all experience loss. And if there's any way to have that human connection, I mean, that's, that would be, I'd be really grateful for that. That would be really wonderful. I just like, even just flipping through randomly, like these simple images you have, like this bean and cheese burrito is as always too much for me to eat. Your half is waiting for you. And then of course it's tinged. Well, is this person going to come back? Right. The hearing in my right ear keeps going out. Quiet whispers. I stand at the mirror and hold a flashlight to my ear. The whispers stop. The only scratching I could hear stopped. I keep walking into spiderwebs face first, another web. I am beyond exhausted and numb. I don't want to get used to this. Oh, it's just so raw. It's like I'm reading your diary and you're here like in my computer. <laughs> it's like such a bizarre experience. Like, you know, down the rabbit hole we go. The 10 minute nap with you on the new bed, heaven. I hope we can keep it. A cup of peppermint tea you made for me with a spoonful of wildflower honey. Heaven, you, heaven. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's really beautiful. Thank you. But here, okay, so here is my question. How, in terms of like making this into a book, right? Because there aren't that many words and it could have been just like, I don't know how long it would be if you put it in one like word doc or something to be totally technical now to get us away from this emotion and whatever. Like, how did you, and it's so cute and small, cute is the wrong word because this is a serious book, but like the, the format of it is so like compact and like, how did you no, this could actually be a book versus a novella or a short essay somewhere or like, and how did you convince somebody to publish it in this form? Cause it's awesome. But I feel like people are always like, oh, publishers don't want this. Publishers don't want that. And now here is a book, which is totally different, which is in part why I wanted to talk to you about it. Cause it's just so cool. How did it become a book? You know what I mean? I think, I mean, I think you hit on something though. It, it really is in some ways like my diary of, of that particular time and, and experience. And, you know, there would sometimes be like one thing that I would, I would kind of fixate on in a day and continue to, my mind would just play with it all day. One detail from the world around me or something that I was noticing at home that normally I would just, you know, tell Nina about at the end of the day in passing. And all of a sudden it had this huge importance and, and magnified kind of presence in my life. So I'd write it down. And so it'd be this sometimes one sentence, you know, one, one particular detail that I would just try to capture as specifically as I could. Yeah, I think it's it's that thing of like when you're going through something that is so all-encompassing, sometimes that's that's how the brain works through a situation. It's like I had I was giving so much energy to doing everything that I could to help her get better and to try to keep our our life together and sometimes all that I could focus on was one specific detail, but that's what got me through. It was that one particular beautiful detail, like a hummingbird's nest, you know, just this magical thing that this hummingbird's nest fell outside our house. And all of a sudden it was there and it was just like the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. And it gave me some hope and it made me sad too, because I thought, oh, well, there should be little birds in here, you know? So it was this whole mix. Everything just had the layers like that. And I'm lucky that I work with really wonderful publishers who are happy to take risks and and are happy to try to push the boundaries of what's included in in literature you know and and akashic books is just i mean they're amazing that's what their whole 
their whole purpose is, is to really expand those boundaries and to bring to the center pieces that may not be conventional in some ways, but that still really like speak to a human experience and, and hopefully are good literature. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that this lands in a way that even though it's so different, people will appreciate it as much as one of my novels. I didn't mean different would be bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> different is very good. I mean, I, I feel like as somebody who reads like a zillion books and looks at books so often, even the books I don't end up reading, but I evaluate or whatever, to have something so different makes me stop and sit and look. And in a way, that's also what these life experiences do to us, yeah. right? You're going and going and going. And then next thing you know, you're not going anywhere. You're just forced to stop and sit. And I feel like the form of the book mirrored the sentiment of the book. So I think it really worked. Thank you. It's my own two cents. Tell me about more about your writing in general and novels and how you got started as a writer and like where how how we got here, you and me, this afternoon. <laughs> because you very graciously invited me to come talk. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. I thought I was going to be an academic. So I wanted to, I studied history in college and I absolutely loved it. And I was all geared up to go and focus on German history in particular. I was really interested in cultural history and all different sorts of things like that. And I went through my program as rigorously. I was, I was a nerd. I'm just going to say that. I was an absolute nerd. <laughs> So I was convinced that I was going to be a professor. I, I, you know, my professors were supportive of it. And then all of a sudden, about a year after I had finished that, and I was actually in a teaching credential program because I thought, okay, well, maybe I want to do this for a little bit first. I saw an advertisement in the OC Weekly, where I lived in Orange County in Southern California at that point. It was kind of like the Village Voice sort of, you know, publication. And it was a photograph of this historical figure, Nawi Olim who was a, a photograph, I saw this picture and I was like, oh my gosh, the, who is this punk riot girl? Like she looked fierce and wonderful. And that was kind of my scene at that point. I thought, oh, there's gotta be some great show that's coming through town. No, it turns out that it was actually an Edward Weston photograph. And there was some very classy, very you know, lovely exhibit in Laguna Beach that I ended up going and seeing. And the second I saw this person, I had no idea who this person was. There was very little written about her at that point. I was just absolutely obsessed and compelled and could not stop thinking about her and started writing. And that was, that's how it happened. I, I was obsessed with this person that I couldn't find anything out about. And so I started writing these stories, trying to imagine who she was. And that material became part of what was then kind of transformed in my first novel. Then I came back to it for my second. So that's where it went. <laughs> it's the, the whole thing. If you just have that one moment where everything changes course and here I am. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about like, when did you get off the main track and sit and start writing and said, this is it? Like, did you sell how, and how did it work in terms of publication? Like, did you sell the pitches of that his, as a historic, like, you know, tell me a little more about it. <laughs> I ended up going to graduate school because I, as a nerd, I thought, okay, I don't, I don't have a, I felt like I needed to learn more and kind of be guided and, and, you know, just learn more. I just wanted to know more about how to do this and, and to learn from some people who knew how to do it well. So I went to graduate school and my thesis ended up becoming my first novel. And we just kind of, it, it was really difficult at first to try to get it placed. And then once it happened, it, it just all clicked really beautifully. And I was really grateful for it. It was a really lucky kind of set of events that happened. So, yeah. Amazing. 
And are you working on anything now? Oh my gosh, I'm always writing and there's so much going on in the world right now that I'm trying to figure out what exactly, like what the next project's going to be. There's so many things that I've been thinking about. Yeah, I, I, it's going to take a minute, I think. This, there's just so much going on in the world that is worthy of being addressed in a really smart way. And so I'm going to, I think it's going to take me a second to try to figure out how I might try to contribute to that. All right. We'll give you a second. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh my gosh. Read everything you can, especially the things that inspire you. Read it as a, as a book lover and also actively reading it to figure out how writers are doing the magic that they do that inspires you. Work really hard. Be kind. I think that's important. <laughs> Be kind to the people who are, who support you and, and take time to read your work and offer feedback and, you know, be appreciative of all of that because it's, it's always a group effort to get this stuff done and stay humble and just keep working hard and, and just keep at it. If it's what you love, it'll, it'll click. And don't forget to breathe. <laughs> that too, right? <laughs> and stretch. <laughs> I always have to, especially right now with everything being on computer all the time, be sure to go outside and, and enjoy beautiful nature and, you know, spend time with people that you find joy in and, you know, stay human. I miss, I miss people. <laughs> I miss people a lot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, thank you. Thank you for your time. I'm so glad our paths have crossed in this bizarre format (laughs) such as it is but thank you for talking about your work and I'm glad that your partner is okay and that you guys got through this and I hope you both have continued health and and all the rest so thank you I really appreciate it and to you and your family too yeah thank you okay all right all right thank you Thanks again to Tim Tebow and his book, Bronco and Friends, A Party to Remember, for sponsoring today's episode. Go check it out at timtebow.com slash Bronco and Friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mm-hmm.